John 4, starting at verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognise the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So far our reading. Thanks, Christine. Uh, keep your Bibles open. Uh, it seems very timely to tell you that in light of what we're looking at today about recognising false teaching. So keep your Bible open uh, and in front of you. Before we look into these verses, though, I'm going to pray and we're going to ask God for his help today. So let me lead you and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. Uh, it is an incredible thing to uh, hear your voice speaking to us through it, to have this gift which teaches us what you're like and, and how you work in this world. Father, we thank you that we can trust this word. We thank you that we can study this word. We thank you for your spirit who helps us to understand it. And we pray that he would work amongst us today and that he would teach your word to us clearly so that we can understand it and know it and apply it in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched many Japanese uh, game shows on TV. Probably not, since we live in Australia. Uh, but you might have seen them. Uh, Japanese game shows have a reputation for being absolutely bonkers. Like, you think our reality TV is odd. Japanese reality TV is next-level odd. Uh, they, yeah, they, they do some weird stuff. It's very hard to explain. But I saw a clip of one of their TV shows the other day, and in this TV show, I, I don't know what it was called, I don't know if there are any prizes, but, but this is a scenario that they put their contestants in. Contestants went into this room, a very ordinary looking room. Uh, it could have been your lounge room, it could have been our lounge room, you know, just a normal looking room. And they were told that in that room there were a certain number of items which were actually made of chocolate. You couldn't pick them by looking at them. They looked perfectly normal. The, the room was very plain. But some of the things in there were made of chocolate. And it was a race to figure out what was chocolate and what was normal. But the catch was, you could only use your mouth. <laughs> you could only use your mouth to figure out what was real and what was not. And so the timer went. And off these poor contestants, you know, very well-dressed, uh, middle-aged Japanese people running around this room biting everything. It's just completely bizarre. It looks like some weird zombie movie. You know, bite the chair. No, that's actually metal. Bite the table. No, sorry, that's actually just timber. But then, bite the doorknob and off it cracks. It's chocolate. You, you never would have been able to pick it. Bite that pair of leather shoes in front of the sofa. 
that's chocolate as well. And, and so they went. It, it was amazing. I don't know where their chocolatier came from. He, he should be world famous. But the only way you could pick this stuff was by biting it, by tasting it. In our passage that Christine just read for us, John returns to this theme of false teaching. We dealt with it a little bit a few weeks back. Now we're going to revisit it. Because you might remember, this is a very real problem for this church that John's writing to. Not so long before he's written to them, a whole group of people within this church had started teaching some really strange things about Jesus and then abruptly upped and left and kept teaching all these strange things. And not only that, but started claiming, we're the ones in the right and you guys are wrong. You guys are missing out. So who's wrong? Who's right? What do you do in that situation? It's difficult, isn't it? And it's a very real problem for us as well. As Jeff alluded to, there is false teaching in this world and you walk into a Christian bookstore, for example, and the shelves are covered with books claiming some very strange and unusual things. You, you go online and look for a sermon or a podcast and there are millions to choose from. Who's wrong? Who's right? And how do we tell? What do we do as ordinary Christians trying to live in this world and trying to do the right things? Well, the answer is, bite it. Now, don't, please don't go into Korong and bite all the books. Don't do that literally. That would be weird. But bite it. Taste and see. That's what John is inviting us to. Yes, it is bewildering. Yes, it is confusing. Yes, it is intimidating to try and figure out what's right and wrong. But we can. And John's trying to equip us this morning to do that really well in our lives and so we're going to find out what he teaches us today now as Jeff mentioned before the very first thing that we need to realize is the actual reality of false teaching and it's very easy to walk into a Christian bookstore and think well this is a Christian bookstore everything is going to be true but it's not there are lots of people in this world who claim to know God who claim to know Jesus and are false and John reminds us of that in verse 1 Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, why is there so much false teaching? Well, John says, because lots of false spirits have gone out. Now, that seems strange for us, but what John is reminding us is there is actually a war going on. You know, we don't live in a world where Christianity, where Jesus has triumphed and the truth is the only truth out there. Uh, John reminds us a bit later in the passage that Antichrist is coming, Antichrist is already here. He's saying to us, there is opposition out there. And that opposition has its roots in spiritual opposition. Jesus reminds us in, in John chapter 8, verse 44, that the ultimate Antichrist, that is the devil, is called the father of lies. And one of his chief works in this world is to keep putting lies out there, lies about Jesus, in order to be opposing Jesus. And if you've been following along in this series, you'll know that that is a big deal. That it is a serious problem that there are lies about Jesus in this world. Because remember what we've seen about Jesus. Remember what we've seen of the truth of Jesus that John has been showing us. Uh, we saw it five weeks ago, right, when we opened this book up. Back in chapter 1, verse 1, he's reminded us what we're talking about here is the word of life. That is a word that rescues from death. 
that brings life forever. Uh, as you go later in that chapter, you see what that word does. That word purifies us. That word forgives us. That word rescues us from sin. It's that word, Jesus himself, that brings us close to God and gives us a real and personal relationship with him. See, what John is saying is there's a lot at stake here. You know, this isn't some insignificant thing that's going on that you may or may not have to care about. This matters. On one hand, we have lies. On the other hand, we have truth. On one hand, we have death. On the other, life. On one hand, we have enmity with God. On the other hand, friendship with God. This matters. It should horrify us that there exists false teaching at all. So how do we know it? How do we pick it? Well, John tells us in verse 2 and the start of verse 3, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. See, John's test is actually very simple. It's excellent. It's very simple. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That is our, our touchstone, that is the bar by which we measure everything. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Let's just, let's just pass out what he means there, because it is pretty loaded. Jesus, <laughs> pretty simple word. But what John is saying is Jesus, as in, it was him. A real man in a real time, in a real place. Not just man in general, not just a saviour in general, but a man who was born in Bethlehem, who grew up as a carpenter, who died on a cross, Jesus, whom the Bible teaches us about. The word Christ, I mean, this is a loaded word. If you've spent time in the church, you know that that's the Greek word for Messiah, which is the, the, the long-promised saviour that the Old Testament has been talking about. And you'll know that that promised saviour was come to rescue and restore God's people, but not in just a material way, to rescue them from sin and death, their greatest need, to restore them to God. Finally, in the flesh, uh, John's saying this is not just something that happens spiritually. This is not just something that, that happened in the spiritual realm as in a disembodied realm, but this is real, this is physical, this is live. Now, none of this is new information. It's not like this is really obscure or really untechnical stuff. This is the heart of the gospel. John's saying, that is your touch point. That is where you measure things from, by what it says about Jesus. How do you know false teaching? Compare it to the truth about Jesus. Uh, I saw once a, a comedy TV show, uh, a satire show, uh, and they sent their presenters to America, and they sent them, uh, I can't remember which city they were in, but they sent them there to uh, have people sign a petition uh, what was their cause? Well, they were petitioning to ban uh, dihydrogen monoxide. And look, their cause was great. Their, their literature was fantastic. Uh, the stats are terrifying. You know, dihydrogen monoxide is in almost 100% of foods you eat. You find it in our playgrounds. You find it in our schools. Uh, it's, it's absolutely everywhere. And no one seems concerned about this. It, it's It's terrifying. And so many people that they talked to were, were absolutely shocked. Oh, this dihydrogen monoxide, that sounds terrible. We, we have to do something about this. 
it sounds scary like all those other scary chemicals. And so they got hundreds and hundreds of signatures. Now, of course, they are right. Dihydrogen monoxide is everywhere. Uh, we had quite a lot of it fall from the sky just last night. Um, I've got a glass of it just here. Uh, because dihydrogen monoxide is just water. H2O, that's, that's simply what it means. But no one questioned it. No one really challenged that. Because it sounds technical, doesn't it? It sounds tricky. I, I'm not a chemist. I don't know what chemicals are all about. And isn't that how we sometimes approach false teaching? I'm not a theologian. I'm not a professor at college. I don't know some of that technical stuff. It's, it's too tricky. I'll, I'll leave it to someone else. I could never see that. I could never do that. Well, John says, you can. And you should. Yes, false teaching may dress itself up in all sorts of complex and strange and unusual ways. But the test for it is still very simple. Measure it against the gospel. What does it say about Jesus? That's really the question you need to keep asking, keep coming back to. What does it say about Jesus? Does it affirm Jesus as our only hope? Does it confirm him as the king of all things? As the source of forgiveness for sin, the only source? As the only hope for eternal life? As the only place for relationship with God? Do you hear the word there? Only. Is it only about Jesus? Test what you hear. Uh, I know some of the Connect groups have watched that documentary that I suggested a while back, um, American Gospel, uh, exposing the, you know, the lies of the prosperity gospel. Uh, it's very well done and, and, and very well put together. But really, when you measure it, what, how did they do that? How did they uh, expose that false teaching? Well, it was really quite simple, wasn't it? They just measured it against the gospel. Did the, the, the teachings of these people line up with what the Bible says about Jesus? Well, the answer was quite clearly no, wasn't it? And so we can be confident that it's false. I mean, they teach, you know, Jesus has come for the material blessing of his people, for our health and wealth, for our happiness. And they miss the Bible's emphasis. Jesus has come to rescue from sin and death. They take him from a sacrifice to sin to a life coach for your problems. And so we know it's false because we test it by the gospel. And so it is with all teachings. Test them by the gospel, whether it's the Mormons or the JWs or my sermons every Sunday. Test them by the gospel. Measure them by what they say about Jesus. You don't need a degree. You don't need years and years of study in some college somewhere in the world. You need simply to know the gospel. And call it out. Now it makes us feel uncomfortable. I, I get that. Uh, it, it's it's hard to, to think about that. We live in a culture that you know promotes unquestioning tolerance, uh, and, and has very fuzzy ideas of how truth works. And I totally get it. We don't want to be harsh. We don't want to be judgmental. There is no call for that whatsoever. The Bible clearly says we speak the truth in love, but we do speak it, don't we? We do stand for it because it matters. Gracious, yes, but zealous for the truth as well. I mean, remember what's at stake. Remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about literally life and death. 
We're talking about eternal life and eternal death. I mean, it should grieve us that even this Sunday, all around the world, millions of people are being, people are being told lies in Jesus' name. They're being duped into a false religion. I mean, that is a disaster, isn't it? Now, think how angry you are when a loved one goes to a doctor and gets false information and, and it causes them pain. It, 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 it makes you furious, doesn't it? Well, how furious should it make it when a loved one gets told false teaching about Jesus and gets led away from him? There are false teachings and false teachers all around us. Know them and test them and discern the truth in the name of Jesus. But let's not pretend that that thought isn't just a little bit intimidating. <laughs> because it is, isn't it? I mean, we, we know what's at stake for others, yes, but we also know how hard and personally costly it can be to confront lies. And especially at the thought that Antichrist is involved. You know, this is going to blow up potentially. What do we do? Well, God says, trust. Trust. Look at verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Remember what you are. Remember who you are in Jesus. Not, not for arrogance, not to be puffed up, but for confidence, for confidence in Him. Because Jesus has won. Jesus has definitively, certainly, wonderfully won. The, the forces of evil, yes, they exist still, but they are beaten. They are defeated in Him. And the good news is, if you are His, you are on His side. You get to share in His victory through no effort of your own. You are a winner as well. And even more, he who is victorious is in us, has promised to live in us. So be confident. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's hard. But you cannot lose. You cannot lose because Jesus has already won for you. And that's good for us to remember because, let's be honest, we don't actually often feel like winners, do we? Well, look at verse 5. They, that is the false teachers, are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. See, if you were to take a look at the world, if you were to take a quick scan, it would look as if false teachers are winning, wouldn't it? I mean, look, look at their buildings. Their buildings are ridiculously huge and sometimes beautiful, sometimes awful. Uh, they've got millions and millions of books and often, you know, in the, the Times bestseller list and, the, the, I don't know, the prestigious newspapers, uh, they, they fly beautiful private airplanes. They have wonderful cars. They, they have huge numbers of followers. It looks like they're winning, doesn't it? And it shouldn't surprise us because look what John says about them. John says... They're from the world. They speak, therefore, worldly things, and so the world loves them. <laughs> of course the world loves them. They tell the world what it wants to hear. 
I mean, what do, what do people want to hear? They want to hear that God loves them and approves of them unconditionally as they are, that God will give them every desire of their heart. That's a nice-sounding God. I mean, it's like going to the Boxing Day test and yelling out, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. You know, I mean, it's going to get a response because people want to hear that. So what do we do in the face of that? How do we know who's really hearing and who's not? Well, again, John tells us, look at verse 6. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. How do we know people in the world and, and who they are, what their response is? Well, we tell by those who listen to the truth. Those to whom the word sticks. Uh, I read once about um, diamond miners. Uh, I think it was back in the 1800s in South Africa. Uh, they're not like, you know, blowing up rock diamond miners. They're, they're ones who collect diamondiferous gravel. I, I, I just had to get that diamondiferous. It's such a lovely word. Uh, anyway, it's gravel. Uh, it's mud and dirt. But it does have diamonds in it. Some of them big, most of them very small. Now, how do you pick tiny pebbles out of a big collection of tiny pebbles? They just look like muddy, pubble, uh, muddy pebbles. pebbles. How, do you, how do you do it? I, I, I wouldn't know how you do it. But I found out that what you do is you spread them out on a big tray, a big set of small rollers, and you wet them. You wet them all down really thoroughly, and then you roll over them with a wax roller. Uh, why do you do that? Well, gravel gets wet, and wet things won't stick to wax, and so it just passes by them. But diamonds, diamonds are unwettable. Uh, water doesn't hold on them, it just rolls straight off them, they stay dry. And so when that wax rolls over them, the diamonds stick to it. And actually, it's very simple then, you just get your wax roller and pick all the little diamonds out of it. That's how you tell them apart, they stick to that wax. And so it is with the true and the false, with the worldly and those of God. We know them because they stick to the truth and because the truth sticks in them. That's what John's saying. God's people respond to the truth. They get stuck to the truth. They accept that truth. Not that they entirely agree with it immediately, that they find it hard still, but they see something different in it and they respond to it. Everyone else will reject it. Yes, they may show interest for a time. Yes, they might uh, like some of the ideas represented there. But ultimately, they will reject it and turn from it and instead surround themselves with things that they want to hear. With, with words that scratch their itch. Now, that's hard news. When you think that through, that's actually really hard news, isn't it? Because we know lots of people who have heard the truth. Uh, I can think of dozens of people whom I've spoken the truth to, many times even, and it just hasn't stuck. It just hasn't stuck. Yes, they've listened, but then they've moved on. And what is precious to us is simply words to them. And that is awful, isn't it? If you've been there, you'll know how painful that is. Because we know the implications, don't we? We know that this is the truth that brings life. 
Can I just counsel caution here? Because it sometimes does take time. Uh, remember, we, we go elsewhere in the Bible and we're told that God's word is also like a seed. And you know, sometimes you stick a seed in the ground and the next day it's, it's sprung up. Sometimes it takes weeks, sometimes it takes months before that growth is seen. Uh, there was an amazing story that came out this week. I, I don't know if you caught this. Uh, it's a story about Todd White. Um, he's one of the, the new leaders of the prosperity gospel. If you saw American Gospel, he, he features in it, you know, massive guy, big long dreadlocks, standing next to Benny Hinn as, you know, the, the, the next torchbearer for this movement and saying some really awful stuff. In fact, he actually called uh, the documentary demonically inspired <laughs> when he saw it and he refused to, to, to watch it. Well, Todd White preached a sermon last Sunday. Uh, he said lots of things in it, but this is one line that he said. He said, I feel, reflecting on his entire ministry, he said, I feel like I haven't preached the whole gospel and I repent. And look, I, I, I watched the whole sermon. Um, he says lots and lots of things along those lines with tears, with great emotion, and it seems really genuine. I, 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 from what it seems, it seems really right. Uh, he talks about feeling like he's getting to know Jesus all over again. Uh, the documentary that he hated, he almost quotes it for pretty much most of his sermon. It, it's terribly ironic. Look, do we know it's true? I, we can't say. We, we're too separated by distance. I pray that it's genuine. I pray that we'll see the fruit of it. Because how exciting. It's certainly not beyond the realm of possibility, isn't it? You know, one of the, the, the leading false teachers in the world being converted to the truth? I mean, yes, it's probably going to destroy Todd White's empire, but who cares? <laughs> because it will build God's kingdom. God's word works. Sometimes it takes a long time. But people will stick to it. And people will be changed by it. And that is how we know the spirit of truth. That is something we should be praying for. We should be praying for that frequently. Because in the end, those that are God's will respond to his word. It will stick to them and they will stick to him. Now that news frees us from one responsibility. But it gives us one other responsibility. It frees us from the responsibility. It frees us from that, that burden of worrying about how people will respond to our gospel. I mean, we, we do it, don't we? <laughs> we can't help but do it. We think, you know, I, I, yes, I spoke to them about Jesus, but gee, I did it badly. <laughs> oh man, I wish I could have said it differently or, or explained it. That. I can't believe I forgot to talk about that. We, we do that, don't we? I don't think anyone would respond well to what I said. Well, what John is saying is, it's always out of your control. It's never been in your control. Whether you're the most eloquent evangelist out there or the most tongue-tied, it is simply about speaking that word of truth. How they respond is not your responsibility. Because those who are God's will respond, will respond eventually. And so your responsibility, our responsibility, each of us as God's people, is very, very simple. <laughs> Our responsibility is just speak it. I mean, the word is literally in your hands or in front of you right now. And the only way we're going to know who is of God and who is not is by how they hear it. How they hear that word of truth. 
And so that means we've got to speak it. They've got to be able to hear it. And you are their best chance for being able to hear it. Our calling, your calling is, give them a chance to respond. Give them an opportunity. Either way, just tell them. Don't be daunted by this. I mean, the message is simple. Remember, Jesus Christ in the flesh. It's a message you've heard hundreds of times. It's a message you know. Yes, you're going to get questions you're uncertain about. Uh, I had a conversation with a bus driver a couple of weeks ago. He brought up some stuff I've never even heard of. It was very confusing. Uh, I didn't know how to answer his questions. And you know what? That's okay. (laughs) We're allowed to say, I don't know. I can look into that if you would like. I can't answer that question right now. Let me get back to you on that one. We can say, look, I'm not sure about that. But I am sure about this. Let me tell you about Jesus. Trust and speak. It is really that simple. (laughs) The truth matters, so stand for the truth. It is the truth that brings life. It is the truth that brings hope. It is the truth that changes lives and changes the world. So stand against lies. Test everything you hear. And speak that glorious truth. Jesus the Christ in the flesh who laid down his life for us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be people of truth. People of your truth, zealous for it, delighting in it, on fire for truth. Father, we know that there are lots of lies in our world. And so we ask that you would help us to discern them. Lord, help us to have nothing to do with them, to stand against them. Instead, help us to trust you, to trust Jesus' victory for us and be bold for the gospel. Father, we know that it needs to be heard. We know that our family and friends and our neighbours need it so desperately. So help us to speak it, we pray. And Lord, we pray that as we speak it, it would bear fruit all around us, that it would draw your people to you, that many would respond. Father, do it in unusual, do it in unexpected places, do it all around us, we pray, that your name would be glorified and your kingdom would grow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.